0: Well, welcome to Dragonheart. This week, it's just me and Mark. Bill's off gallivanting somewhere in Nando's, and M- Neil's probably saving 100 pigs or whatever it is. Mark, we're going to Qatar. Wales have reached the first World Cup in, God, how many years. How do you feel after watching that one?
1: Well, I'm excited now you told me we we're going to Qatar and Callum FM paying for it. <laughs> I'm very <laughs> excited now. Um, well, I mean, this is one of the few things that I can say is before my lifetime. <laughs> you know, we've never done this before, so wow, it's it's remarkable, isn't it? And I I acknowledge the emotional nature of playing Ukraine as well, but I was really proud that we handled that right too. I think because I think we showed good respect to the Ukrainians, but ultimately, it's a game of football, uh, and 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 we've wasted a long time for this, and yeah, just fantastic. The players deserve it because. They have consistently been excellent, haven't they?
0: They've really done us proud. And are they get to play in the World Cup? Yeah. And it's it's, fan- it's a fantastic way to end the season as a Welsh and Wrexham fan, um, as it's been a fantastic season being a Wrexham fan. And we're going to go through that with our season in review. We've got the retain list to go through as well. And we've got the Qatar, the Wales thing, everything. And we've got, a, and we've got, a little, few little bits and bobs at the end too, so without further ado, this is Dragonheart. I'm Liam McClendon and this is Dragonheart. The retain list is out, and for me, usually one of the saddest parts of the season, especially in previous years, um, and this year of course, but... I'd like to I'd like to say thanks to each one of the players that have played a part in this season and previous seasons Mark because there's some great players in this retain list. Yeah, uh it's
1: an indication of how things have changed isn't it really for the club because some of these players have given very good service to us and some of these players would probably give very good service if our budget was still what it used to be but uh, yeah, I think when we go through the names, we'll recognise that it's about the fact that we are upgrading a squad to be ready for, you know, what, League One? Um, yeah. that, that
0: means that players have been released to,
1: should be very proud of what they've done in a Rexham
0: show for us. Of course. So well, let's go through it. Uh, first, it was not really a surprise. I think he was brought in as a complete emergency backup for the big yeah. games because, you know, he's a very experienced head and that's Lee Camp. Yeah. I'm sure he's been a really good asset for both um Dibble and Sichapaniac this season. You know, just from his experience, you could learn. Oh no. Yeah, I'd like to say thanks for him to come in, really. It was yeah. Mm-hmm. It was most expected, wasn't it? Yeah. I mean,
1: to be fair. I'm sure that was made very plain to him at the start that chances are he wouldn't be getting a contract. And Yeah, he's um, having another experienced hand is always a good thing in the running. I, he's, I'm not superstitious and he's the reason why because I can remember one other example of us doing that which was 92-93 when we brought in Peter Fox who was a very experienced goalkeeper who played a lot of time at the top level and the second level for Stoke City. And he was a cracking keeper, but we just brought him in as backup because basically our first choice keeper had, well, we, we couldn't trust him anymore. Our backup keeper was having a fantastic season, but we needed someone else, and so we brought him in. He never played, and we got promoted. So that's why I'm not superstitious because we did exactly the same thing again, going for a promotion, bringing an experienced guy. He's we're not intending to play him. We don't play him. But we didn't get promoted. We finished higher than that season, but we didn't get promoted. That's life.
0: That is life. But yeah, good luck for the league camp in the future. Um, Cameron Green. Um, I I wasn't totally shocked by this, but I think if we didn't have this big takeover, he definitely wouldn't have been one we would have released because he is a he is a he is a prospect, and I think a lot of national league clubs will be looking at him. Mark.
1: I think there's a lot of people on this list that if you're a National League club with your head screwed on you go after straight away absolutely right he's um <clears throat> I'm, I'm sad to see him go if I'm perfectly honest because he's young and he could develop and as a part of, he thinks it'd be quite nice maybe to loan him out and give him another season maybe in the National League I know what you'd say about Cluworth but now our situation's a bit different you know yeah. there aren't places in the team to develop a player through but I think it'd, I'd quite like to see seen that but Again, <laughs> I totally understand the logic of it as well. And the reason I'd say that, I suppose, is... I oh, yeah, an example of, that I think of is Neil Slaffiel, He was Wrexham's captain at the end of the 90s and was a functional player in many ways. I'm not trying to be critical of him, but he was big, extremely strong, square-shouldered fullback. He wasn't subtle. He wasn't technical, but he could damn well tackle and he could damn well get the ball a long distance away when there was danger. Um, and when Brian Flynn released him as captain, I, I'd be honest, I was really quite shocked, thinking, well, you know, we're down near the bottom of the fourth division, he's got a hell of a lot of heart, he's a good servant of the club, over two spells, do we let him go? Well, yeah, we do, because we brought in Barry Jones, and it was that promotion season. So Barry Jones was captain of the local reserves, was a class fullback. Played a lot of years through the nineties for us as a fullback and a centre back, going up to uh, what's now League One. So yeah, sometimes you have to be hard nosed and say this lad's good, but we are aiming for something higher and spring him in. I'd love to have a buyback clause somewhere on him, but well, we haven't because we released him. But and I'm sorry to see Cameron Green go. A good attitude as well, and very naturally fit as well.
0: Yeah, it, and again, another naturally gifted footballer, and I think a been has been a fan's favourite for the last few seasons in Dan Dan Jarvis, um, which I think out of the whole list was the biggest shock in my eyes because Parkinson used him and utilised him quite a lot this season and he's a very technically gifted footballer. But again, it shows the aspirations of this team that we, we can afford to get to release players like Dan Jarvis. But I tell you what, there's not going to be many National League sides that are going to say no to someone with his calibre. Uh, I wonder if there might be some
1: League Two sides who might think they'd take a punt on his on his quality and technical ability and potential, because he is a very good player, isn't he? Um, but, <clears throat> I mean, I suppose he wasn't getting regular game time with us now, and we're looking to upgrade the squad considerably. So that does play against squad players, doesn't it? Who'd be thinking, you know, if we bring, well, the manager would be thinking, if I bring in two more players ahead of him, will he actually get on the pitch much? Yeah. Um, but he did, Parkinson, point that often, uh, single him out for praise. He often turned to him when he needed him and trusted him. And remember, of course, that Notts County game when it's him and Ponticelli who was starting in the FA Trophy quarterfinal. Now, Phil Parkinson was not throwing that game, he was recognizing the need to rest Mullen and Palmer, but picking two strikers we thought could do a job. And Jarvis, to be fair, scored a cracking goal in that game. Um, so. It's a, it's a shame. I do wonder whether some of these decisions might be a little coloured by what's happened in the last couple of weeks. And not too much. I suspect Parkinson has known his mind for a while. Don't get me wrong. It doesn't strike me as somebody who jumps into reckless decisions. However, I do think that in big games at the end of the season, he's put people off the bench and... You know, does he look at the bench and think, oh, I'd love to have an explosive striker to throw on in this situation? You know what I mean? I'd love to have a bloke who is liable to go on and really put the cat among the pigeons. And so I wonder if he sort of thought, yeah, the strength and depth is something I need to address. And you can only do that by being very harsh and, and cutting out players who would do a good job for you, but you think you can bring in someone who'll do more of a job for you.
0: Yeah. And that's football, isn't it? It's very ruthless, um, unfortunately. And um, again, we'll go with, from that note, to Jordan Ponticelli, who's been a fantastic servant for the club. Excellent last season. He's been great when he's come on this season. A young player. Again, I'm repeating myself a lot here. There's going to be a lot of National League sides, and again, League Two sides, who are going to look at him and think... Yeah, he's worth a punt. He's a cracking player. You've 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 been a uh, a big fan of his, haven't you, Mark? And it's quite sad to see him go, but yeah. I mean,
1: absolutely, and I certainly have. I I just felt from that loan spell he had under Brian Flynn, Brian Flynn, Dean Keats, same thing, where when he came in the first time, you could see that goal poacher instinct, and he just looked like a twenty goal a season striker. And it's a real shame that for a variety of different reasons, it's not developed that way. Injuries being a key part of that. And like last season, as you said, he finished it extremely well. But until the closing six weeks or so, injuries really affected his performances and his ability to be on the pitch and his continuity. And it was only really the last six weeks or so that he looked really fully fit and able to contribute. And you could see what he could do then. And then the problem this season for him, in a sense, if he's looking to showcase his talents, is that we brought in Mullen. And Mullen is magnificent. And any striker playing with Mullen has got to know that one of their main priorities is working for Mullen, sacrificing themselves for Mullen. And I think we should all raise our hats to Ponticelli for that because he did a hell of a lot of selfless work this season. He covered so much ground. He made so many runs to create space for Mullen. He made so many runs just fetching and carrying for Mullen. Um, I think he deserves a really good pat on the back, to be honest. But the goal output wasn't really there. And so I get the logic, you know. I mean, I remember saying to you after the first training day of the season that Green and Ponticelli just look so incredibly naturally fit. Incredible athletes. And that was what we could see when he was rolling his socks down and, and battling formal, But in sacrificing himself, he sacrifices the chance to, to knock in 15 goals, be the main man and, and keep a contract, perhaps, which is cruel. But like you said, that's what, what it was like. It's, it's cutthroat, isn't it? He's uh, It's a shame. <laughs> I, cutthroat. Well, I thought he was a little unlucky in that. Oh, right. Mullen won the Steve Edwards goal the season. Quite right. It was a wonderful goal against Stockport. Um, if it hadn't been for that goal, it just has to win, for, because it's got all the factors. Skill, the time of the game, the importance of the match, the nature of the opposition. That was an amazing moment. That has to be goal of the season. If that hadn't happened, or if we just scuffed it in from six yards out, oh, I'd have been tempted by Ponce Charlie's goal at all. shot. Of beautiful yeah. goals. James Jones running down the wing, deep in his own half, flicks it over the man in front of him and just runs past him. Hits the most perfect ball to the edge of the area, an inch either side, and Jelly can't get there. But instead, just drops perfectly for him. And Jelly, 1-1 one, one with the keeper, in the D. Obviously, he's got time. He can bring it down. He can take a touch. He can make sure, oh, no, 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 he knows he's he is Da Vinci. He wants to apply that final beautiful paint stroke So he just leans away from the ball and caresses it into the top right corner with a bit of bend on it. Ah, That's a beautiful goal, that. I mean, honestly. So we'll we'll always have that from him. And the goal of Bromley he scored a couple of years ago, which was
0: top draw. Yeah, an an excellent player. Great work, right? And another excellent player who I think, you know, has been in such the wrong place at the wrong time for his injuries because... The season before last, Kwame Thomas was hit in crazy form. And I think if he didn't get injured, we would have been in the playoffs that season. Um, yeah, an excellent target man who's great with the ball, great positioning, was fox in a box at times, scored some great goals. It, it's sad to see Kwame go, but he's not looked quite the same since the injury. We have a better target man in Ollie Palmer. And you could argue Jake Hyde as well. Uh, Yeah, I feel really sorry for Kwame. But like I said, I don't think he'll struggle finding the club because he's a good player. Exactly. He's a smashing bloke as well.
1: Really nice fella. And last season, he was a phenomenon, wasn't he? He was absolutely fabulous. And you're 100% right. If he'd stayed fit for the whole season, we definitely would have been in the playoffs. In Fact, it may be me worth mentioning that because yesterday I was going through the stats, unusually for me, and I was thinking, and, and this is a slightly misleading stat, I'm gonna admit, but season on season, like percentage improvements from the previous season, you know, your your points total. What what team, you know, what season have we improved most from the previous season? And interestingly, it was last season in our history. Wow. That's the, the biggest sort of jump in terms of points that we've achieved, you know, percentage-wise. So taking into account how many games you played. And to be fair, that team last season did lay a foundation, even though, obviously, there are some fans who who don't like the trust, don't like Keats and don't want to acknowledge that. Um, But, yeah, I mean, he was central to that. They would have got in the playoffs. I'm not saying they would have won it, but they would have got in the playoffs. And, again, I mean, although he was a good finisher and good in the air, very good in the air, I always really enjoyed, again, that work rate. He was the bloke who in the 95th minute, when you're winning 4-0 against Sutton, still chases the ball into the corner and blocks a clearance. He'd be very much like that. There's everything that you you gotta love about him. And I think the emotional impact of him getting injured was massive yeah. as well. I think the whole squad and all the fans. I remember them when I heard the news the day before that Knox County game, I was like, no, this can't be no, no, I was on the day. We're thinking, this yeah. can't be right. No, this can't happen. It was in denial. He was smashing. I mean, we haven't seen what he's like in the training ground now and how he's coming back. He did well in the trophy, but that was against weak opposition. He struggled to make an impact in the league. And my dad always told me, managers bring in players and then they want to give their own signings a chance, which is quite natural. So he's probably third-choice target man, isn't he, behind Palmer and Hyde, because Hyde is a player Parkinson's brought in and I'm sure he wants to give him a better chance with an injury-free run. So, yeah, you don't really need three big target men unless you're going to go full Bromley, really, you? <laughs> you know. So, yeah. So, yeah, sadly, the match didn't add up for a blessing, But I wish him all the best. And I think he's got... It'll be lovely to see him resurrect himself.
0: Yeah. It, I think, as as we said, there's a lot of National League clubs who will definitely take a punt at the ones we've mentioned. And the other releases were uh, uh, David Jones, who's... A bit, I don't want to sound too bad, he's a bit a bit too old, isn't he? To be fair, you know, he, he he's obviously a quality player. He had that quality goal against Solihull this season, but unfortunately hasn't had the legs to keep up with the National League this season, really, isn't he? And you he, he, he can tell he's a quality player, but unfortunately, it is what it is, isn't it, Mark, with him?
1: Yeah, uh, it is a shame. He is—he does have that quality and that experience, but I mean, I think again, I'm sure he was fully aware of what was going on. He's a stopgap signed at the end of the transfer window because we've not completed our squad build. He, he's the—he's the sticking plaster until Tom O'Connor arrives, isn't he? And yeah. I mean, the, the the truth is that the club will have known going into it last season he didn't have a club for the whole season because of his his awful luck with injuries in the last few years. He's played very little football in the last three, four years. And it was always likely that it was just good to have him around as a body. But having said that, um, hopefully he'll stay on as a coach. And lots of positive talk about that. And another very experienced man at the top end of football in our setup is a very good thing. Uh, He's local. People like local, don't they? And as well, apart from that goal, which is another one that you think, surely that's goal of the season. What a phenomenal goal that was. Uh, I also think back to the the Dover game at Dover, where we didn't play well at all. We fluke a goal from a corner going directly in. We bring him on to sit in front of the back three, and he made one absolutely massive block late in the game. He did ever so well. When there's a Dover player who's got a clear sight of goal 10 yards out, and he does brilliantly to step in and get that block in and make sure we win the game. And little things like that matter because that would have been two points off our season, just there like that. Um, so you know, he's he's not been able because of injuries to play a full part, but he's played a part and we applaud him for that.
0: Yeah, I hundred percent agree. Uh, just a shame we did we had him five years too late, really. Yeah. Um, otherwise, I think he would have been a, well a quite clearly too good for this level. And the other two is Devontae Redmond and David Chichipaniak, who I think... I don't want to sound too brutal here, but obviously Chichipaniak's a young goalkeeper and Redmond for me isn't really done enough to prove that he's good enough for this league. Uh, so, yeah, I think if that, these two fine clubs at maybe well, the Welsh League or... National League North. I think they could definitely find a good run of games.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Chichpanjak first. Very nice lad. (laughs) Real real enthusiast. Um, But I mean, I guess, again, I'm talking about bench depth before. When a push comes to shove and Lainton gets injured and he's out for the whole season, Parkinson has no option but to bring in a third keeper rather than trust that Chichipaniak will be fine if necessary. Um, I'm not saying that as criticism of Chichipaniak, but you just wouldn't want to throw him into that sort of situation. So I guess that probably does colour his view in terms of, we've got good young goalkeepers coming through the youth team. Uh, David's now a bit older and maybe it's fair to say, well, you're probably not going to break in with us, but go and play at a similar level and make a career for yourself. He's got the physique. And uh, he's had good coaching and uh, and works with good keepers that really, really wish him well. He's a nice lad. Um, and then as for Redmonds, uh, I, I will tread carefully. <laughs> I was incredibly shocked when he got a contract renewal last summer. I'm saying no more. Um, and he didn't get much game time this season. So he's lucky he gets loaned out with Green. I did wonder whether... It might have been, you're not going to get game time with us this year. Go out, get experience. We may look at you again. But I never got that feeling about Redmonds when he went ahead of So It was like, that. that's it, surely. Um, Brian Hughes made a big investment in him, and it didn't come off. Uh, Keats, trying to give him a chance in that box midfield, which should have suited him down to the ground, and he didn't take that chance. And Keats, by his second season, didn't want to use him at all. And then Parkinson's not used him, so it's not the biggest shock. He's clearly got ability, um, but he needs to find somewhere that feels right for him and feels good for him, where he can you know, settle and be, and be the boss of a team. I so think he's got the the quality to do that. He just needs to, to find the right place, I think.
0: Yeah, someone like Chester down the road, you know, a team of that, uh, like, you know, National League North level, I think. You would say be Chester then? Yeah. The like, a bit you know... harsh. Come on, he's not that bad. <laughs> well, you know. But... <laughs> you know, he's a team of the National League North or, you know, even someone like TNS to, you know, win a lot and he's going to not be playing teams of uh, high I think the National League has been so high quality this season and it's it's hard to compete at that level. Yeah. So, yeah, and I'd like to just cap off this section by saying commiserations, but good luck to all on the list. And I'm sure they'll all find clubs because they are good, good players. And I think it's a real high calibre of released players this year, which makes me sad, but also makes me quite excited to who we're going to bring in. Mm. So... Still exciting times to be a Wrexham fan. So after this, we're going to be talking about the season as a whole. This is Sean Brisley. This is Dragonheart. A disappointing end to the season, Mark. But for me, one of the most memorable, insane seasons following Wrexham (laughs) in my whole entire life, honestly, on the pitch the pitch, brilliant.
1: Oh, 100%. 100%. Um, it was really incredible, wasn't it? They gave us so many amazing memories. I mean, I, th- I think one of my, f- my main takeaways from it as well is just how the fans rallied and kept faith no matter what. Yeah. They know we're going somewhere. They want to be on board it. And that the way that the, the, the team earns that, that love from the fans instead of just that natural support a fan gives was fabulous. And I think it was the the biggest indicator that we got everything right uh, this season, I think, really.
0: Yeah, we did. Uh, off the pitch, on the pitch, everything was right. It's just unfortunate that, you know, I, I personally put it down to a bit of, mental and physical fatigue towards the end of the season while we slipped off and lost the semi-final. That's where I put it. We didn't quite win the, uh, the league, where, where we probably could have done if we didn't slip against Borenwood in a few, uh, few of the games. Do you they know, hold a grudge against this team at all? Uh, it, it is what it is. And unlike of seasons where we have missed out when we playoff 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 um, games before, you know, the 98-point season, the year we lost um, to Newport and the year we lost to Eastleigh. You think, where do you go from here? Because we don't have this big budget. Yeah. The big players are going to leave this season. I don't have that worry at all. And it's quite nice, isn't it?
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. There's a clear sense of, of something building here, isn't there? And it's yeah. fantastic. The, the achievements of this team are fabulous. And I, if you look at it in the context of our history, if you adjust for three points to a win, for a win, because obviously that, that was brought in in 1980 in the Football League. So if any season before then you give three points for a win, um, then this is our second highest points total ever. After, wait for it, the 98-point season. Yeah. Yeah, So this is a highest ever one. And then when you look at the other team, their seasons at the top end, third place is the 1970 promotion season. Fourth place is the outlier, which I'll come back to in a second because I'm going to blow your socks off. Fifth place is the 2003 Dennis Smith promotion season. Sixth place is the legendary 1977-78 season. Next is the season before that when, when we blew it and had to get one point out of the last two home games to go to go up and lost them both. I mean, that's remarkable. You know, that that is that those yeah. are all our great seasons. Um I've got oh, also the 32 33 season when Tommy Bamford's banging the goals in for fun is there. The 92-3 promotion season is down there, but that was a that was an example there of uh, starting badly and, and winding her up because before Christmas we didn't look like a promotion team so we dropped a lot of points in the first half of the season. Um, the outlier, interestingly, is the Brian Hughes season. The fourth best season in terms of points was oh, 18 yeah. when we started at Ricketts, then had Barrow and then had Hughes. And yeah. uh, although I, I'm not going to try and pretend Brian Hughes was a success. Or clearly he was not a success and, and when he went he had to go. Um people do forget that I've said this before so I apologise for repeating myself we actually had the best running ever in the National League right? we hit the playoffs the best momentum we've ever managed Um so you know maybe that shouldn't be forgotten even though I accept it wasn't a success but yeah most away yeah. goals in the league of all time in the history of the club fantastic I mean the stats are amazing I'll, uh, if I if I if I look at the stats in terms of post 1921 when we joined the Football League because let's be honest that's when we were actually joining a national competition before then we were playing regional leagues some of our club records please don't get me wrong they are club records because that is Wrexham AFC so I I wouldn't devalue them but 1921 is the point where we are put into a level according to our quality and play against teams of a similar quality before then you know we've got well I might get to this you know that. The fact that we scored six goals in consecutive home league games this season, the, um, you know we've done that before, yeah, in the eighteen nineties. But it's against teams like Kai Um so you sort of expect that, wouldn't you? Uh, but in terms of since nineteen twenty one, we've had our we had our best goal difference ever. So that's that's kind of kind of something, isn't it? Really,
0: it is heartbreaking, isn't it? You know that we're not talking about us being promoted. Oh yeah. You know with this side, but it is what it is. We've had, we had Stockport, who I think on our day, Wrexham were a better side than Stockport, man for man, uh, and it's sh- it shown. We beat him in the FA Trophy and we stuffed them in the league. But unfortunately, Stockport have been that bit more consistent throughout the rest of the season, haven't they? Yeah. And then when we got to the gri- when we got to the fi- uh, the national league final a uh, semi final sorry and congratulations to Grimsby by the way excellent club well deserved um, we also had the heartbreak of the FA trophy the week before which I think has maybe had a bit of a mental effect a bit of mental and physical fatigue so it, you know. We could have we could have been walking out this season with a league and cup double and could have been saying this is the best Wrexham side ever since you know when we were in the old division two. But it hasn't come out that way. That that's gonna be for next season. Yeah,
1: exactly. And I think <laughs> next season will be wonderful, as I've said before. I mean we've got to be careful with quality judgments, haven't we? Because we are playing theoretically. Hey, Neil Williams is in the building.
2: I am sorry.
1: Out of the pig pen <laughs> and into the podcast. <laughs> yeah just looking back at the season Neil and I'm trying to stop Che from jumping out of a window uh, for, for uh, as he thinks about what might have been
2: yeah we, we can all think of what it might have been but you know it is what it is we just weren't good enough at the end of the day we you know, we just petered out we just didn't have the legs you know if we'd had a full transfer window like everybody else and being able to sign players like everybody else for the whole season matters may have been different but uh it is what it is. We can't change it. We go again in August.
1: Yeah, yeah exactly. I'm um, just looking at some stats as well. I was saying that we've got to be careful with, with um, quality judgments. And if I'm going to say that 1921 is when the standards raised because we joined the Football League and you know records set after that are more meaningful, I've also got to acknowledge we're currently playing in the lowest level ever. And so there are statistics where, you know, fairly mediocre in the misses in the National League, feature quite high up statistically because we are playing weaker opposition. Um,
2: uh,
0: uh, but National League is a, a very high standard this season. <coughs> uh, y- you look at the top, top. I'd argue, top 11 would give league the, the bottom half of League 2. Each one of them would give any of them games. You know, if you look at Boreham Wood, they got to the round four of the FA Cup and they finished ninth this season. Because we broke them. Uh, yeah, we did break them. Uh, you know, we got Chesterfield who were at seventh. Southend who looked a good, sturdy side at 13th. I'd argue this has probably been the strongest National League for years. Each, play, each team have quality players. Uh, for us to get the points we did... And to finish where we were, we've had a really, really strong season. This is year one in our project, so roll on next year, honestly. I'm, I'm not denying that.
1: I'm just saying that uh, we we are in the fifth division, and a team yeah. of maximum size should be finishing fairly high up. Yeah. The points totals, our uh, record in the championship level, is not as good as it is in national. That's, all, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. All the records and all the best goalkeepers in our history in terms of goals conceded per minute. Uh, the National League ones now, apart from Di Davis. Because <laughs> it's a and an Andy Dibble, beg your pardon,
0: apart from those two. Well, but right, let's let's change the subject a little bit with the let's talk about this season as an entertaining and ent- as an entertainment spectacle, let's say. Because <laughs> we've had some crazy games, you know. The Dover game springs to mind straight away. You know, you've got The stock, but you know <laughs> we've beat, we've had some absolute wild games. There's gonna be loads of games that we've forgotten about. The the wheeled stood away game where we scored two goals pretty much in the last minute. The, you know, the Eastleigh home game where we steal it in the last minute. It, I, I've never long known a side to steal games. Just yeah. just for entertainment value alone, Neil, this has to be up there one of the best seasons being a Wrexham fan.
2: Oh, definitely. So I think you know every fan in that ground had their money's worth this season. Maybe the the last the second half of the season, maybe not the first half, where we, I thought we were very quite boring when we, the way we played, you know, and we were defending one their leads, and you know we struggled a lot. We you know we we lost well, we lost points because we couldn't defend. And my my aspect is, you know, best form of defence is attack, and we didn't do that the first half of the season. I thought the first half of the season was very mediocre, and we just came alive, you know, after the the January transfer window and then we just put our foot on the gas and uh, a little bit too late, unfortunately,
0: but that's football, guys.
2: Yeah,
0: that's true. Well, I think how important was the signings we made in January.
1: Well, I mean, they were massive, weren't they? And Neil is hitting the nail on the head already. If we were able to make those signings, when the other clubs were able to in our league, we'd have won this league comfortably because I appreciate, you know, as you said earlier, Jay, games like the Boreham Wood game away and the Bromley game away and Woking are, are disappointing, but we'd have more strength on the and depth on the bench. We'd have been able to rotate a bit more in the first half of the season to keep things fresh, and we'd have had more quality too. So it's that first half of the season that hurts us most, not only because we didn't have those things, but because... Well, to be honest, um, we did drop some poor points in the first half of the season because simply because the team wasn't complete yet. Um, <laughs> but the team now is complete. Uh, but like you say, the entertainment value this the, yeah, season, I took the We've just been through the roof, haven't we, you know, in terms of how good we are to watch. And I, I don't know about you guys, but I love the character as well. We get a sense of Paul Mullen and Ollie Palmer... Being these larger than life characters who drag teams through, of Toza being this this rock solid bloke who could be relied upon, of of Hayden being this force of nature. Maybe it's because you buy quality players, but you're building in characters as well, and people who become iconic immediately.
0: Yeah, Oli Palmer is like when he scores, he's just like that big battle cry, doesn't he? And you know the fans love him. You know, and Paul Mullin. Everyone loves Paul Mullin. He's become an icon at Wrexham, hasn't he? Um, you know, to the point where certain pubs in town were making people promise that they wouldn't sing the Paul Mullen chant because it was getting on the barman's nerves uh, that much. The bar owner's nerves that much, you know. You're going into town. Now, You know, it's just... It's, yeah, it's gone beyond football this season. It, it, it's made Wrexham into this big thing again where you are going out on random nights out on a Friday or a Saturday and people are singing Wrexham songs in pubs. You're walking through town, you're seeing kids wearing Wrexham tops and Not Man United and Liverpool tops. Mm. It, it's really transformed the town, hasn't it, Neil? Not just the town. You know, surrounding, orientated.
2: You, you go to, even here in Shropshire, you know, they speak to you and it, it's all Wrexham, oh, Wrexham did this, Wrexham that, you know, and the owners and, and the goals are scored and, and how they come back from you know, losing to win games, you know. So it's, we've got the attention, I think, as we said, because we're on the radio as well, we get the attention globally now and definitely nationally. Um, but yes, brought a brand new buzz to North Wales. You know, everybody's talking about the, the team. You hear a lot more about it on Radio Wales and Radio Cymru. Um, and it's only for the good of the club. I mean, I think, what they sold? 6,000 season tickets already? And I was speaking to somebody today, you know, and they said, Shrewsby, we'd love that amount of season ticket holders. You know, it's they won't have a patch on wrecks on our season ticket holders. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the new season starts beginning of August, and it'll be a packed house again. And, you know, with a few new additions, I think the team will be ready to go, and, and hopefully this season it'll be attractive football from the go, and we'll... You know, we're putting goals in from the go and, and winning games that we maybe lost or drew the early part of last season. And, you know, run away with this league, I'm hoping.
0: Yeah, let, let, let's win the league just after. Let, let's get that far ahead. Wales will win the World Cup. And then we are going to be that, far, <laughs> that many points that many points ahead. We practically won the league in January. How does that fight sound, Mark? Oh, um, well, does that mean
1: we can let Mullen and Davis go to Qatar?
0: Yeah, with that, with that many points ahead, nah. Mullen can be the top scorer in the World Cup and the National League. There
2: you go. That's fair enough, eh? <laughs> um, I, I, before, was there a rumor I, today that he going to buy himself? He was going to Salford. Uh,
0: that was a troll Twitter account, was it? Yeah. Okay. Uh, before
1: I continue with the uh, the upbeat positivity, am I allowed a little poke at Shrewsbury?
2: Of course you can. Oh, good yeah. man. There's, um, no, there's more Wrexham fans in Wichich than there are Shrewsbury fans.
1: Yeah, quite, as it should be. Um, <laughs> I, I always have... Uh, it always stuck in my head when Ricketts left us for Shrewsbury and he said mm-hmm. the reason was because Shrewsbury are a bigger club with bigger support. And... Mm-hmm. I, I was like a dog with a bone because I wasn't, I'll be honest, very happy with Ricketts about that. And I went through all their home games for that season and found the away support and took it out. Although their average attendance was bigger than ours that season, their average attendance was boosted by the fact that Sunderland bought 2000, that Charlton brought 2000, the Portsmouth brought 2000. The actual average number of home games was higher at Wrexham games and Dewsbury games, even though they were two divisions higher up. Mr. Ricketts. But anyway, I'm not bitter. I'm just angry. Um, <laughs> exactly. He'd be open for a job, I'm sure, but I'm not sure we'd oblige. Um, to continue the positivity, though, um, you were saying about Wrexham shirts I think that, that that's so true you can feel it in the town you can feel it in the region funnily enough today in work I was talking to the PE department and they were saying that on the last uh, charity own clothes day they were standing on the yard counting all the kids who'd chosen to come in and Wrexham kit and they were saying they couldn't believe how many kids were in Wrexham, kit. I've noticed the same thing. Uh, I've also, genuinely, I get kids walking down the corridor singing the Paul Mullins song to me. Uh, There's always been Wrexham fans at the school, but right now, it really feels massive. And I was saying to them as well that, you know, on the morning of the trophy final, when we were driving through town, when I was driving to the ground to pick you guys up, oh, oh, cheer up, sorry, um, the the number of people wandering around in Wrexham shirts. Now, I know that's because probably most of them are catching buses. I do get that. But I just thought, this feels like a big city, which has got a big match on. You know, it felt like the morning of uh, Champions League day at Liverpool. Do you know what I mean? People wandering around having their early breakfast in in the pub, in their Wrexham kit, getting ready for the day.
0: Uh, it felt really special. It was, it was, it was, it was eerie. I loved it. Absolutely loved it. It was like the, the can before the storm, and I feel like it's not just like that. At, you know, the FA Trophy was like that mm. to an extent, but it's like going to the Wielston game where people are going to spoons before. Well, spoons or other pubs are available, um, but they are all bad. Younger listeners. early before the bus and you know that there just seems to be that really big okay that Wrexham games are now not just oh we'll we'll go watch Wrexham because it's the local football it's now it's the the big occasion which as you said Mark does feel the club sort of feels like a big league One championship team again and it's been amazing it has it's been an amazing season so guys other than Dover and Stockport at home What's been your
2: favourite
0: game this season? Mm.
1: That's tough. It is. I sort of maybe.
2: Oh, yeah, yeah. Why, well, Neil? Well, Notts County was a great game of football, which we should have won. It was a, I would say it was the best performance I've seen this season, as in the quality of football played was against Notts County in the second half. Yeah, I thought Wrexham was just stupendous then. You know, forty it was a one-all draw, but they, they should have won that. But, uh, yeah, I'd say that was maybe the best game I've seen them play this season was, you know, you can say about the Dover comebacks and the Stockport brilliant, but uh quality of football they played against North County, they battered them and battered them in the second half.
1: Yeah, I I, had I would say, right, I, you've actually made me change my mind because um, I was thinking of away games, away batterings, the 5-0 the older shots when... We got a bit, well, I wouldn't say turned over. I said the, the abandoned game had to be abandoned. But nonetheless, Aldershot didn't cover themselves with glory, the way they handled that, or the way they didn't give refunds. But the way we went there the second time, and there was just that edgy feeling in the stomach of, oh, we won this game once. Please don't let it be a different game. That would be so wrecksome, wouldn't it? You win the yeah. game, it gets rained off, you go there, we don't turn up, they do, and we lose it. And that is, oh, it's going to hurt. And instead, we finished that job off. We absolutely, well, pardon me the phrase, wiped their face in the mud, didn't we, really? Um, well, it wasn't as muddy as the first game. But I don't think I'm going to go for that because, uh, Neil, you're right. I can't really ignore that passage of games, the home games. And I think I'm going to go after Christmas when we really started hurting everybody. And the reason you were thinking about Boreham Wood is why I'm going for Halifax. Halifax were flying. Yeah, yeah. They were absolutely yeah. flying. And a lot of people were looking at them and thinking, the way they're coming up on the rails, they could overtake us. And they turned up and we, I mean, oh, I don't want to sound Maybe it's not a pleasant word to use, but I think it's the appropriate word to use. We didn't beat them, we belittled them. We we were at them from the first whistle. They couldn't bring the ball down. They were a team that moved the ball around well. They could not get out of their own half because we were constantly at them. The energy was amazing. It sort of gets summed up with James Jones's goal when he's just chasing everything, following things up when time's running out, but he's still got all that energy. And he's just—it's almost a goal for pressing rather than a goal for approach play and just chasing and finding that kind of finish, because we have caused them to panic and lose the game on edge. They're ready for the umpteenth time, and it's only three-one because their keeper made some good saves, because we missed some chances, and because they scored a world—the last kick of the game. But that game could have been six or
0: seven, and yeah, against a high-quality team in excellent yeah. form.
1: So I think I think I'd probably go that one.
0: Yeah, that... Yeah. That was an excellent game. I'm gonna go for Wheelstone away. Mm. Um, because for that previous week, if you remember, it's like a storm going on, and no one was sure whether the game was actually gonna mm. go ahead, even to that day. Uh, we went, we were on the bus on the way down, and we were all really scared, got to the ground, and all credit to Wealdstone and the pubs around Wheelston. They were so hospitable, so lovely. The best time I've ever had in London. Uh We got to the ground, we played awful for most of the game, we conceded a penalty from what I can remember, and we scored two goals in the last 10 minutes. And that away end, I have never seen anything (laughs) like it in my life. But the barriers collapsed because they obviously weren't used to having fans like like Wrexham before. Everyone was just falling over on top of each other. And it was just like one of those, you know, crazy away days that I'll, I'll always remember. So yeah, I'd I'd have to say just, in a way that was a cracking, cracking day out.
1: What about the best moment of the season for you guys? You know, not, not necessarily a game, but just a moment. It might be when you realise how good we are, or just something really strange on the side of Ooh, it. Let me have a think.: Got Mark, you go first. Uh, I'm tempted to just say I have spoken to Aaron Hayden because I know I'll be, you know, telling my great grandchildren this. Was that was Aaron Hayden real, Pappy Griff? Yes, Aaron Hayden actually existed. He's not a myth. Um, but I, I, I think the, the points where, oh, maybe I haven't got just one, I loved it when I saw Mark from New Zealand at Wembley waving at the front of the press box at us. Yeah. Because that summed up one of the very special things this season, that kinship and community amongst the fans. I know I started off by saying the way the fans have been in the ground has been amazing, but as well, that community that we've enjoyed on Wrexham Player um, is fantastic, absolutely fantastic. And the way people, as you mentioned before, come from around the world, contribute Mm -hmm. and, and are able to feel part of it and the amazing comments and contributions and, and that they make and the kindness they show to us. Uh, I think that's been a genuinely special thing, which shows why sports can transcend just the game and be something important, social, and quite
2: frankly, important in building up better societies. Uh, Mark, and I would add basically that I think it was this season I really started doing the commentary for... Mm. You know, for Wrexham, and, you know, really nervous, but at the end of the day, now I, I really enjoy you know doing it with you guys and and broadcasting to the the Wrexham fans all over the world, and I'd say that would be my my highlight of this year is is getting more involved in the media team and, and doing this you know radio commentary um, with you guys on the on the home games. Well, we should award you
1: the Max Clewes Newcomer of the Year award, then shouldn't we? <laughs> <laughs> Rookie of the Year. <laughs>
2: I'd like a stat off you, Mark. I know you stats are good on your point, but how many away games this season have we actually sold out our allocation to, to the away fans? I have no idea. <laughs> and I
1: might be able to give me some time. I think I'd, ha- I'd
2: have to go through. I can't internet. imagine there's that many where we didn't sell out our full allocation, of, you know, away tickets. So, you know. Um, it'll, I think that's going to be a tricky one to find
1: although it would be a wonderful start I was thinking this morning about percentage of games we've filled the ground compared to other seasons which again mm-hmm. is a tricky one to prove really um,
2: yeah, I to go back to your, well. I just said the Halifax win where we, we scored two goals away in the last couple of minutes yeah. Yeah. a Halifax to win you know and there was what 1800 way fans there on a
0: Tuesday night Yeah, incredible isn't it yeah well my, my favorite personally was being able to take my stepson Taylor to his first game in the FA trophy and um, him being, you know, only four, he doesn't know what's going on. He could, he only lasted 87 minutes, didn't last the whole thing, but being able to see, you know, this is the, these are the fans of the future. And they're going to be seeing probably the best one, the best, if not the best era of being a Wrexham fan. And this is the, the start of something, it, it, that was a really nice moment for me. And we beat Bournemouth 3-0 that day. So, yeah. yeah. So, an excellent, excellent season it's been. And next season is going to be, well, if it's anything like this season, yeah, it's going to be brilliant. And I personally think, because of Stockport and Grimm's going up, I personally think we are we could potentially be an unstoppable force.
2: I'm Jake Hyde, and this is Dragonheart.
0: Well, Mark, we're all saddened to hear the news that of the passing Jeff Hunter, a player uh, before my time. But I'm sure you have stories. I have stories. Talk about yourself. I most certainly have stories. But firstly, I've got to say, Jeff Hunter.
1: um, You know, I'm not saying it makes me feel old. I already feel old, but it, it, it's it is saddening when players that you liked as a teenager, when you hear the news like that, you know what I mean? It's like, oh, I yeah. used to I used to love watching him. Um, Jeff Hunter was definitely fell into that that category. He was a youth player of Man United as a striker. And by the time he came to us from Port Vale, and, and there's a the thing, this makes you think about how recruitment is so much different these days. Because Dixon McNeil, you always bring in players from, like, well, not always, but an awful lot of players would come in from Huddersfield, Port Vale, Hereford. So he obviously had connections there and people saying, bring him, you know, like he's a legend at Hereford. So he must have had mates on the coaching staff saying, this lad's tasty. So a lot of our players came from the sources. We brought in Jeff Hunter and John Bowden from Port Vale, two midfielders. And they were big players for us in the 80s. Uh, a time when a lot of players didn't cover themselves with glory for us, but but those two did. Um, Hunter, like I said, he, he, he was with us for four years. He was a United schoolboy and a striker. And you could see that in him because when he first came, we were using him more as a sort of creative midfielder. And he was a nice player. You know, he moved the ball around well. He had a good work rate. He was a nice player to watch. Um, he sort of reinvented himself as a, a sort of epic scrapper. And I used to love, you know, so he he would he would be able to play the ball, he'd be able to do the, the pretty stuff, but oh he'd snap into people like you were allowed to in the 80s, like nobody's business. <laughs> so he was like, he was your ideal player, you'll do a bit of class, and then bang, you'll stick some lad in head He was great, a really wholehearted player. Um he <laughs> the the my favorite story about him, funnily enough, is is about that sort of thing. Uh, I mentioned Neil Slatheon earlier, and he was saying that, he told me that uh, there's a game at Halifax. You always used to lose at Halifax. And we were playing really badly, and he was battling away like crazy, Hunter. Near the end of the first half, he got stamped on, on his foot. In the last minute or so of the first half, he's limping around really badly. So he goes in a half-time, and the physio, George Showell is like, is it, how bad is it how bad is it and the hunter said oh it's fine I'll run it off get your boot off let me have a look no no I'm carrying on and so we refused to take his boots off he carried on played the rest of the games diving in tackles as ever and crunching into people and leading us forwards and we lost and then he came off the pitch and he said he just walked in the changing room the whole changing room in silence when he took his boot out held her out in front of him and just tipped loads of blood onto the dressing room floor because <laughs> he gashed his foot and he was just bleeding throughout the halftime and the second half. And he knew, obviously. And it was just, yeah, but I'm, I'm playing for Exxon. so I've got to, <laughs> I'm gritting my teeth and I'm getting through. Wow. What a warrior. Uh, yeah, well, exactly, exactly. Um, So four years, he got injuries in the latter. First two years, he barely missed a game. Um, second season he got in like half seasons because he did pick up injuries which was a, obviously a shame, he did get to play some European games for us which was fantastic and I think that's a real testimony to him as well because that was in the brief weird time when you when English players counted as foreign for a Welsh yeah. team so Hunter's English so you're only allowed in four English players we did got up to all sorts of shenanigans to get a team together We had Jeff Cooper, who was the most Yorkshireman you've ever seen, suddenly discovered a Welsh grandmother and was able to get himself registered as a Welshman. I mean, you know, I mean, Jeff Cooper uh, would walk around with a whippet under his arm and a flat cap on, um, (laughs) even when he was playing. So, I mean, this was nonsense. Uh, We did all sorts of things. You still had to play kids. Sometimes, weirdly, we picked a couple of lads against Ployest of Romania. They played in both legs. They looked good, actually. Never played again. Wow. Um, we Lee Jones, who, of course, went on to have an yes. excellent career with us and with other clubs. He makes his debut as a substitute against Man United alongside Jeff Hunter um, as a 17-year-old who I think was thought, thought of as a prospect, but one near already. <clears throat> and I think that was a huge good thing for him. Sometimes you can spoil players. You can't just throw them in too early. But he went out there and tucked to it like a duck to water and hit a fabulous 30-yard lob well, or dipper, you know, Jamie Vardy against Liverpool style that hit the top of the bar, if I remember correctly, the keeper beaten. Um and he knew then, all right, this kid's tasty. next season he's banging goals in at West Ham. Um, but Hunter, like I say, he got into that side, even though you could only have so many Englishmen. So some some regular players just didn't play. But Hunter wow. went into that side. And I think that's a comment on his value to the team as a person and as a competitor and as a player. But I think this is the Uncle Griff's bedtime story point. And I admit, a lot of it's felt like a bedtime story so far. I saw you rubbing your eyes then. And I, don't, I don't blame you. However, I think this Jeff Hunter story, and I'll end on this, has got to be the mother of all Jeff Hunter stories.
2: Uncle Griff's
1: bedtime stories. Wrexham used to go on training runs down Irvig. Jeff Hunter was notoriously not an enthusiastic trainer. So the squads were bemused when one day they're all lining up at the you know the gate at the top of um, what Green Park and they all run down the hill and Hunter goes sprinting off ahead of them. So this is unusual. He's usually lagging at the back, not wanting to push himself. Goes sprinting off. And everyone said, like, what on earth's wrong with them? It's a long run this and he's, he's charging off. He disappears round the corner into the woods. You know, thinking, what the hell's going on? They jog down the hill, they come around the corner, and uh, I don't know why. It's not my place to say why. Suddenly, jumping out in front of them is a completely naked Jeff Hunter.
0: <laughs> a character. A character. They don't make footballers like that anymore, do they? Yeah, I mean, it's got to be said. That'll be a morale booster, won't it? <laughs> a boot that's... full of blood. That, that's
2: <laughs> Uncle Griff's bedtime stories.
0: That's the title of this um, podcast. Perfect. <laughs> Fitting tribute there, Mark. Um, it was nice. It's nice here. You know. Stories of players that the past and on behalf of every, everyone at Dragonheart, it's sad condolences. I'm Luke Young and this is Dragonheart. Well, Wales, we have finally reached the World Cup, something that I thought I'd never, ever see. Uh, but, yeah, it was an emotional game, wasn't it? For many reasons, Mark. You know, to be playing Ukraine and how excellent they played as well throughout the game, for me, it was a really fun game to watch, really high level. Um, yeah, what what your emotions after seeing that? Because it, it was a cracking game.
1: Oh, I was delighted. I was very relieved. That second half went very slowly, didn't it? Yeah. I've got to say, I mean, I'm sure we'll talk about some of the absolutely heroic individual performances, but something that I think has... Um, been strengthened and carried through from Gary Speed's foundations through Chris Coleman, now to Robert Page, <laughs> beg your pardon, is a sense that when we have the points in the game, when, okay, to use that Spanish phrase I like, you have to suffer, it feels like a team that can dig in, can suffer, and then can come out the other side. Uh, the, the, the defensive shape is sound, and then if it does get pierced, there's always someone like Ben Davis who'll hurl themselves at the ball. There's always someone like Wayne Hennessy, our second choice goalkeeper. I thought He's, well, he was going to put in a world-class performance and, and stop everything. And uh, I, although I, I'm not a big fan of this sort of analysis, it's very tempting to think, you know, Welsh fans pride themselves on their fire and passion, and that was an extremely passionate performance. But passion with organisation and with that mental strength, strength and self-belief of, we've done this before, we've had good teams put us under pressure, but we all pull together, we do our jobs, we dig in, if they get through us, somebody will do something to stop it, and we will get through this, and get to the point where we can start to get closer to Ramsey and Bale and start hurting them, and that's what I love, that if we struggle, we can still win.
0: I I 100% agree, Mark, it was a real pleasure to watch, to be fair, Um, and, you know, what I love about this Welsh side and, you know, and the Welsh media and just everything about it, I, I really believe Wales is a footballing nation and not a rugby nation, uh, you know, as, you know, look at what the WIU are doing. At this moment I did at the moment, you know, but you look at the FAW, they, they do tweets in Welsh, you know, the, the fan, the heed before the game. The players get it, the fans get it, the, you know, the FAW get it. It's compared to when I first started watching Wales in the Gary Speed, Ryan Giggs, Robert Earnshaw days, where we had fantastic players, but never could really gel because no one was really into it. And you're playing Azerbaijan in front of 6,000 people in the millennium. We are now in harmony. And this, this team is something to be really proud of, aren't they, Neil?
2: Oh, very, very much so. Although, you know, watching the the game, yes, we we took the lead through, you know, the own goal and, you know, Ukraine had some great shots on goal and fair play to the keeper, you know, he made some world-class saves. But then we hit the post again. So it was a very nervy game to watch. You know, I, I saw them play Romania down in Cardiff for a qualifier and we lost out there. I saw them, I remember watching them play Scotland down at the old Cardiff Minion Park, wasn't it, I think? Yeah. Oh, no, was it, An- was it, Anfield? it was Anfield? It was Anfield. Anfield was Anfield. 77. Yeah. And it was, they, yeah I it think was it was the Vetch in 86. 86. Yeah, and I can remember vaguely watching that on telly and the disappointment that, you know, we're so near yet so far and, and to actually be able to go there this time, and for me, it's just a shame it is where it is in Qatar, yeah. you know. To, you know, it's, it's something a lot of fans would have loved to have gone to and a lot of fans may not go to because of where it is and, and the high cost of it all, but a uh, uh, fantastic achievement. And as, as Jay said, you know, the passion that the players are showing when they're belting out that anthem at the beginning brings tears to my eyes, you know, and you, you feel that passion. And for them all to be able to learn that anthem themselves, you know, and, and belt it out. And then at the end of the game, they all belted out a Heed. And... You can see the passion between the players, the fans, and it's just incredible, you know, and that's why we need at Wrexham to get a purpose-built international stadium there so we can come up and play in front of the North Wales fans who is just as passionate about their football.
1: Yeah, absolutely right. Sign the petition, everybody. We need to push that. We need that levelling up fund to make that happen. Sign the petition. Let's get a big stadium in North Wales 100%, right, Neil? I've got to say as well, what about about Banger's own uh, Wayne Hennessy. And wow. indeed, Nico Williams of Kevin, because my goodness, they were both outstanding, weren't they?
0: Wayne Hennessy made some incredible saves, and in how he's not been a first-choice keeper of a team for the last few seasons, I, I don't really know. I think he was third-choice at Palace a couple of years back. He's second-choice at Burnley he may have a chance to be first-choice. Now, Burnley getting relegated, I'm assuming Nick Pope will get sold on he's a class act, isn't he? Uh, and with him being from Bangor, you know, a local lad too. It, oh, it's just brilliant. I have, I'm lost to words when it comes to, when it comes to Sunday.
2: You know, there was that one world-class save where he, he dived across the goal and, and put out his outstretched hand and it was strong enough to keep the ball out. And it went over the top of the bar where, you know, it should have gone in the net, you know, it should have been one all, you know, and I, I do feel quite sorry for you, Ukraine, basically because what's going on in their country. But at the end of the day, it is a football game. But, you know, it should have been maybe down to UEFA and said, well, let's take them with us as well. And, and just, you know, mix it up a little bit and just add an extra team to the group just for the, for the country, basically. Even though they lost to Wales, they just say, oh, let's take you along as well.
1: I thought yeah. we handled it right, didn't we? The fans were brilliant with them. Oh yeah,
2: yeah. The way, the,
1: the way our players went to applaud them at the end, but having Correct, said yeah. that, you know, I, I, football's nothing compared to what's happening in Ukraine, and you know, we have our destiny to to achieve, and on the football pitch, it's trivial. But yeah, we, we couldn't give that over out a sympathy. It was. Uh, so the same, Nico Williams as well I thought Nico Williams is yeah, fantastic brilliant. he's so positive and, and direct and enthusiastic he has no fear does
0: he he's playing at a very high level too um, I'm assuming as uh, strong rumours that Fulham will be signing in this season hmm. um, that's what I'd like to see because I'd like to see him play regular Premier League football because the potential in that lad is incredible
2: oh yeah he's, he's terrific um, his pace, his ball skills are fantastic. You know, and he, he's great going down the wings. And yeah, another local lad. It's a shame he wasn't on Wrexham's books. <laughs> his brother was
1: briefly, wasn't he? Oh, right. Yeah, and Kian was was it second youngest player ever to play for Wrexham. He came on in one of those mad Scottish games. And immediately got poached by I want to say Swansea.
2: So Burnley was it? Oh, I'm talking about Wales again. Well, about possibly Bale coming to Wrexham. I don't no. think so, but there we go. No, uh,
0: seeing Rob, Rob tweet about laugh, it's a bit laugh. We can dream, yeah. maybe, maybe what, maybe we can produce our own Gareth Bale, um, <laughs> who we can, you know, sell onto a big Premier League club for multi, multi 1000000s Oh, keep it. become a big Premier League club. Oh yeah! Oh, we just become yeah. a big Premier League club.
1: Yeah. Champions uh, Cam- League, here we come. I can exclusively re- reveal that Gareth Bale will not be signing for Exham but he will be um, holidaying in Rumble.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, on that bombshell, lads, it's been a a cracking podcast. It's been really nice to speak about the season as a whole Uh, and Wales, of course, because, yeah, that was really fun, a nice way to end the footballing season. So, yeah, thanks both, and we'll see you next week. This has been Dragonheart. I'm Harry Lennon and this is Dragonheart.